Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And uh, give us a, a like. Oh, we got some new reviews. We're up to oh, nice. 35 ratings on the Ooh. iTunes. All five stars. Exciting. Unbelievable. All right. Hey, get, I, 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 let's, I would like, if somebody's been listening to this, uh-huh. And they really think we suck. It's time to get on. <laughs> no, 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 what? no, no, absolutely not. Never a one on there. Don't kick a beehive. You're no. asking the internet to kick oh our ass. God, what is wrong no. with you? Come on, it's, no, I we love. Bad. Like, no, you keep saying no. thirty. Never ask for negative. All feedback. five stars. Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. tonight good evening sir good evening to you uh ben barton you're in knoxville tennessee are things going well in knoxville <laughs> yeah they're going well for me personally okay the covid <laughs> stuff is not good everything yeah. else is bad but for me personally it's okay well you know it's uh the year 2001 so like there's a lot of bad stuff for us to talk about in the present day there's a lot of bad stuff to talk about in 2001 uh, but we are going to be a refuge of light. Yeah. Are you feeling that, nice. Jeff Simons, in Berkeley, California? Feeling lockdown number two. No gatherings with anybody outside your house. Can't do this. Can't do that. I could use some ray of light. Sounds okay. Yeah, you are kind of. You are kind of sitting in the darkness in your little dungeon there. I don't mean. To First of all, you're actually in a basement, Timmy. You're not allowed to pick on anyone else. I can see the asbestos <laughs> above your head. <laughs> yeah, let me let me change the camera angle. No, that's not good. That's yeah. actually, if you look at the camera angle, that's the uh, the ceiling I tried to do um, <laughs> when I reminded myself that I am an English teacher. You wait. You only did a third of your own ceiling. <laughs> it's that's really a hard podcast. You really, I mean, you got to like hold up oh, the, the plasterboard and then oh, the drill. God, drop ceilings are awful to put oh, in. Are you kidding? They're impossible. Really? So if you have any advice for us uh, here on the 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys uh, podcast, yeah, go ahead and um, send us some advice. Dude, we don't need advice. We need them to come and fix your stupid ceiling. <laughs> yeah, we need, I believe you, I, I've advice, got a lot of advice for you. Don't do that and leave it alone. That's what right. you need is people to do it for you. I was going to suggest that he buy a new house with a ceiling in the basement, but that, you know. Right. Hey, <laughs> we are part of the Drive-In Podcast Network, so you got to go to uh, musiccitydrivein.com. Uh, all sorts of articles, all sorts of podcasts. Do you like fantasy football? 
We've got you covered. Do you like Hollywood? We've got you covered. Do you like older gentlemen talking about their glory days? We've got you covered. We've got it all at the Drive-In Podcast Network. All right. 2001. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I got some... The, the big news story, of course, is going to be 9-11. We can unpack that in a little bit. I've got some bizarre news and some of the some some of the most fun sports memories to come at you in this particular podcast. But Jeff, let's get us started with the Grammy winner for 2001. Uh, ben Barton, I do not recognize either of our songs. I don't recognize the Grammy winner and I don't recognize the number one hit. I'm surprised by, that you don't know this. I knew both these songs very well, actually. Yeah. Something happens in 2000. Well, I get married, uh, and, and I think my focus changes. So I'm, I think I'm listening to much less radio at this point. All, All right. right. I'm surprised. You should know this first one. You ready? Go. It's the Grammy winner. Fallen by Alicia Keys. I keep on oh, falling. Yeah. Alicia Keys. I'm digging it. I've never heard that song in my life. How is that possible? Wasn't I don't that know. the biggest hit? That's not the number one hit. That song it was It had to be. It had to be one A. Yeah, that was the Grammy winner. I, I'm the radio guy, and I got nothing. Huh? Where were you a, living in 2000? Well, it was a big move, right? Um, that was, I moved from was Hartford, Connecticut, to, to Atlanta. To Atlanta, uh, Ben. This is a great little story. The, uh, the middle school where I was working did, a, did a, an article on why Mr. Plain was leaving. So I, I said to the little eighth grade reporter that I was moving to Atlanta to cajole a woman into marriage. But this must have been before spell check. Uh, the child in the article in the newspaper, I'm quoted as saying, I am moving to Atlanta to congeal a woman into marriage. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's not a typo. That's accurate. That's, that's what accurate. actually happened. You like surrounded her with your gelatinous mass and sucked her in. And I like it. Yeah. That's how we yeah. do it. She's the, the, the blob approach to proposing. So I had, a lot, I had a lot on my plate, I guess. I wasn't listening to the radio. You guys like that song? Yeah, that's a sure. Yeah. The girls love that song. And I, here's what I like, really, really like about it. Those are actual instruments, beautifully played. It's like an old-fashioned blues song, all jazzed up. Like she's got it. Like I yeah. love. Yeah, I would. I don't love it. I think it's it's great, but not like a banger. I I wish the uh, I wish it had a bridge. It's just two chords over and over and over again. And 
it was like Alicia Keys was a wonder kind. She's super young when she makes that record. And I'm always a little suspicious of the 15 year old singing about unrequited love in the way that, you know, a 35 year old would sing about it. But, but that said, I, I liked it from the moment I heard it. I still like it. Um, and she's right. a, she's a super legit talent. She's good stuff. Well, I apologize to Alicia for not recognizing the song, but this is fun. I'm going to make it up to her later in the podcast. Oh, all right. I know. Little tease. That's what they call that in the business, fellas. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, do we talk about 9-11 right off the bat? Is there a way to ease into it? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I remember I was teaching. I remember I was giving a... Uh, it was an in-class essay on Henry David Thoreau. And I just kept getting these updates from colleagues walking into my room. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's stop writing. Uh, we're all going to go watch TV and figure out what's going on. Uh, it was early in the morning for you, right, Jeff? Yeah, I got a call from my friend, Billy Glasner, uh, who woke me up at uh, six in the morning or whenever it was. He was like, turn on your TV right now. The whole world just changed. I remember he, I picked up the phone. He's like, it's wow. Billy. Turn your TV on. The world just changed. Oh, my God. And I turned it on to CNN, and there was the smoking. And then it was not soon after that that the, the next plane in the tower collapse happened. Ugh. And then I went to work because, you know, this was just before everybody had a phone and everybody gets the updates. So right. we, I got to school, and about half the kids showed up, and they're all crying and freaked out. And then parents came back and got them and but i was there all day because i was a dean at that point so i was there all day with the kids who couldn't go home we're or staying or, right like, yeah so we didn't hold classes or anything we just kind of sat and watched the news so i have two super vivid memories one was i was on the phone with my mom and my mom while we were talking was like oh my god a plane they're reporting that a plane flew into the world trade center and i was like right and she was like, and, and I was like, really? Like, what, what, like, like, like a Cessna like a prop plane? What are you yeah, talking about? Right. She was like, no, 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 they're saying there's a 747. I was like, that's got to be a mistake. Like, that's not possible. How could, yeah. how could a, a, a 747 fly into the World Trade Center? Um, and then obviously she was proven correct on that. Uh, the second one that I remember really vividly, and it's just a real tragic reminder, kind of a little bit of where we are now, because mm -hmm. this guy's a huge, like, right-wing conspiracy theory guy now. Uh-huh. There was a like a guy named Tony Basilio who ran the drive time sports talk show on the way home. And so I stayed at work and I watched TV all day and I, I tried to do some work and then I drove home and he had just turned over his, his phone lines. He was like, we're not talking about sports. We're only going to talk about this. And it was like a beautiful togetherness moment. Really okay. one of the last ones that I've experienced as an American where it was like, <laughs> Everybody was calling in. Everybody was like, you know, super upset, but also like super on board with everything. Like, uh, it's a sad fact of human existence that sometimes is that what takes us, that brings us together. Right. Um, but, and it's also sad to see that kind of drift away. Ugh. Do you remember calling? I mean, you, you're from New York, but I remember calling the close friends I had. Oh, dude, my buddy in my, New York. My best friend you know? from high school doesn't work in the World Trade Center, but he works at one uh, World Transit Plaza or whatever it yeah. is. He worked right there. And he physically came into work that morning at 8 a.m. Maybe I got the story wrong, but he was like at work at the morning, came into his desk and then had an appointment, left, walked out. He's in the subway station. He hears the, the just like there's an earthquake. He's like, oh, that was weird. Leaves. And then like, he just wasn't in there. That building oh, completely collapsed. I bet, like, yeah. Yeah, no, he was super fortunate. 
Yeah, my friend Rich, who uh, Rich Price, who does the other the podcast, uh, was there for a meeting. I came out of the Port Authority and then uh, walked three blocks away, and then like the the you know the ash and smoke chases him down. He jump runs down into a subway tunnel with like several hundred other people, like hiding from the the debris. He was he was right there. Holy cow! Ah, uh, it was a awful awful day. Uh, I. One one I'll never forget, especially because as a teacher, you're supposed to be there and, and kind of be, be the rock for the students. And I remember feeling so ill-equipped in such a role on that particular day. All right. But let's move on, shall we? Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. On. Let's go out of here. Um Timothy McVeigh is executed. <laughs> Timmy, oh, you're supposed to move us on. You sorry. can't help us. That's it. That's your transition. <laughs> My next but thing on was the, on the lighter side of that coin. All right. Wow. Hey, here's something uh, troubling, but but a little more trivial. Jeff Simons, California had rolling blackouts in 2001. Do you remember this? Yep. Yes, I do. My PG&E bill went. Uh, from seventeen dollars <laughs> to a hundred and ninety-five dollars uh, from one month to the next, and then to two hundred and forty-six dollars, yeah. and then back to fifteen dollars. I, I think I mean, the for average... no reason whatsoever, with no warning, like you could turn off all your lights and sit in the dark and no. Ga- I remember the after the the two hundred dollar one, it like yeah destroyed my budget and like I turned everything off, unplugged everything, and my bill like was still catastrophic did we ever figure out where they was was your electric company messing with people oh i have no doubt that that was a that was a out of state gouging uh i mean that was because sticking it to california yeah the power was routed through texas through a major thing like that was a total total cash grab Uh, maybe enron related yeah maybe so enron files for bankruptcy in 2001 thank you for the segue uh ben barton Smartest guys in the room. Um, all right, here's something. What happened in 2001 that plays a pivotal role in the production of this podcast? 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Is this My daughter's born. That, My first child is born. Is this born. Apple Music? Is this the iPod and, and it, the Apple Store? iTunes is launched by iTunes. Apple. But yes, your daughter has played a major role. I like role. it. That's a good one. <laughs> Let Tim be Tim. I think she once said, I appreciate her. But yes, iTunes changes music. Um, Wikipedia begins and oh, Napster closes down. Yeah. Either of you guys into Napster? Sure. I had a whole bunch of terrible sounding stolen records from Napster that I had slowly had to get rid of, but because <laughs> wow. the Napster had no quality control at all. And like people would throw stuff up and, or you would think you were getting one thing and it would be another thing. Like it was completely. Oh, is it just sharing? Is that what it was? Magic mess. Yeah. It's a sharing. It was an MP3 oh. sharing. Uh, so so it wasn't like Pandora or anything like that. It was, you'd, you'd contact some dude named Ben Barton and he'd send you an album. No, no, no. You went to a, like a, like a, it's a BitTorrent site. Like you'd go and somebody would have thrown up like, there's a wonderful book about it. Like 
One guy who worked in the Phillips CD pressing plant in North Carolina is responsible for 85% of the Napster leaks. It was just this dude who lived in a trailer in North Carolina who was really into computers. Wait, I live in North Carolina. He had a job on the on the floor of the Phillips CD manufacturing plant in North Carolina where 85% of all CDs sold in America were made. And so he would just slip a copy of whatever they were making that day into his jacket, go home and put it on upload it to the internet. And I mean, they were looking for this guy for like five years, public enemy number one. And he lived five miles away from the plant. And they never, <laughs> you know, he never caught him. Like, I think they ca- they finally caught him, but they caught him. Oh, I got to look this guy up. So out of the bottle that they were like, whatever. He's Robin Hood. That's who he is. Yeah, it was. It's a. I wish. I'll try to remember the name of the book and and uh, we'll put it on the website. But it was. It's a great story. All right. Uh, Well, let's have that be our lovely lead-in to the number one hit of two thousand one. I'm sure this CD was stolen by this gentleman. Oh, me too. It's the number one hit. All for you by Janet Jackson. for this podcast because i had kind of forgotten how big janet jackson was she was huge yeah she's been bumping along for sure and and she's had a number of number one hits now and um and it's like oh yeah she was totally everywhere for what when is the when is the uh super bowl malfunction it's got to be around this point right doesn't who played it doesn't she, uh, she and Justin Timberlake play a little peekaboo at the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. halftime show? The, the wardrobe malfunction. I don't I know it was what... This, I thought it was like this year or the next one. It was, I thought ben it was Barton? this record she I'm was trying to sell. I think it's 2002. I, I always not, thought that song... It's 2004. Oh, okay. 2004. I'm way okay. ahead. My bad. All right. What were you going to say about the record, Jeff? Oh, I this song that always cracked me up because she's barely singing in, in the choruses. Like right. the all for you part is super catchy, but it's so far away in the mix. Like I remember the first time I heard the song, I, I was like, is there a mastering error? Like the all for you part is so buried in the mix. It's like not the lead. And then she, she comes in so big on the lead vocal. I was like, that is a weird oh, choice. But, there she is. But this song is really of its moment. It's got the, it's got the fake uh, disco. Right. Redux. It's got the auto tuning that Cher had made popular with Believe. Uh-huh. It definitely feels very 2001 to me. All right. It makes We're me miss move. Rhythm Nation. Like, it's just not the same. No, no that's true. not even close. No. Yeah, all and right. Even, let's... even Control. I'll, I'll ride oh, hard. Oh, totally agree control. with that. Fine. That record kicks ass. Yeah, okay. What record is this? Uh, I believe uh, 
my MP3 is from a record called Number One Hits, which I don't think was the name <laughs> of the original record. <laughs> All I right. don't remember. So we'll figure that out at a later <laughs> date. You two are both tennis guys, moderately speaking, right? You you watch a tennis match? God no. Neither Not of you? Even. No. Oh, I'd I'm rather. So- Oh God, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine what I'd want to watch All right. less. I am excited uh, for this golf. question. You'd rather watch golf less, for sure. I would rather watch golf than tennis. No way! Really? Are you kidding yeah. me? No, that's a terrible call. Golf is so much worse than tennis. I watch women's tennis before golf, but I'll watch golf before men's tennis because this is men's tennis. Serve no return. Serve weak return. Kill. Serve ace. Serve ace, change think, guys. I think you. There's no volleys in men's tennis. They I serve 185 miles an hour. I think I'm going to direct all emails and letters to you in Berkeley, Dude, California. I'm not wrong. Women's tennis, at least they still hit the ball back back and forth occasionally. Men's well, my, tennis is just like gladiator. They might as well just <laughs> serve like shards of metal at each other and try to dodge out of the way. I would that'd be more exciting. <laughs> well, my question is about women's tennis. Young Venus Williams gets her first major title um, in 2001. She actually wins Wimbledon and she wins the U.S. Open. Go Venus. Who won the Australian Open and the French Open? This is a woman. Yeah, it's a woman. Monica Sellers? (laughs) It is not Monica. I'm so excited for this question. This was a name that's like, oh, my God. I totally forgot about this person promising <laughs> jeff hates tennis and you told us no one remembers their name this <laughs> is gonna be good. no that's uh she's she's done by this time i think okay uh, Lady Gaga? Mo- monica sellis is the one that you screamed every time she hit the ball right she's the yeah, yes. I'll do that. I so did that. uh I love so that. did martina hingis she was a- oh i remember all right martina timmy hingis. help us brother jennifer capriotti oh, oh I met yeah I met Jennifer Capriotti. You do you know my Jennifer Capriotti story? So I don't. <laughs> I was the sports editor. I hope it's of different mighty... than your Holyfield story. I also, hey, I don't think I we should not... let Jeff tell the story. He was just dumping all over tennis. I feel like he's not qualified. <laughs> Jeff, just, just keep it to you. Tell us a golf story. <laughs> all right, go <laughs> ahead. With the golf stories. Uh, so I was the Haverford newspaper sports editor, and uh-huh. Haverford hosted an invitational tournament. For no reason. I mean, for God's sakes, what is Haverford College doing? So they have the, and it's, an, it's one of those things where they pay famous people to show up and play tennis against each other. Okay. But Martina Navratilova was there. All right. Um, she was the big draw and a bunch of people I never heard of. And a 12-year-old phenom named Jennifer Capriotti. Oh, look at and that. And I'm sitting in the stands watching this event because I feel like I should because I'm the sports editor. And Martina is just beating somebody into the dust. <laughs> and this kid comes up and sits down next to me. And she's like, you're a tennis fan? And I'm like, not really. I mean, even then, I was like, no. I mean, I'm just I'm the sports reporter. And I was like, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm Jennifer Capriotti. I'm playing next. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, I do know a little bit about you. Like, and I asking her about, like, what's it like to be a pro athlete in the eighth grade? And, yeah. and uh, we're chatting back and forth. And then her handler comes. It's like, Jennifer, come. And then looks at me and goes, no, no, no. As if I'm like, <laughs> what? As if I'm creeping up on oh, this 13-year-old. No. <laughs> That's my, and of course, like, remember three years later, she's like, like, pierces her eyebrow and she's like a total oh, yeah. drunk and goes into a 
total tailspin. It's not my fault. I was very nice. Okay. You did not slip her a beer at her uh, tennis. I did not indeed. Event. No, she was a she was a like smart, totally friendly, bored thirteen year old when I met her. But All right. I guess uh, Well here's a, a, a I have a couple of fun sports memories for you from two thousand one. One involves Randy Johnson. Can you guess what it is? Oh, you hate the Yankees, so it's losing in the World Series. I remember it vividly. No, Randy Johnson's out in Arizona. No, no, no. 2001 World Series. He doesn't pitch for the Yankees when we lose? Are you sure? Yeah, no, he's in no, Arizona. No, he's the Diamondback. Yeah. Oh, he, he beats us you. that year. Okay. He beats you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I knew the there was a Randy Johnson baseball? connection. Is that the year he throws a baseball as the bird is flying across? Kills a and dove. Pulverizes it? Yeah, it kills <laughs> a dove with a fastball. I recommend, I recommend everyone listening to check out the video on YouTube of Randy Johnson killing that bird because it explodes into a puff Before of feathers. Dove. It's the most remarkable yeah. thing. Just a peaceful dove flying by and gets hit with a 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, now, Ben Barton, back to your Yankees. Oh. The most incredible baseball play ever occurs in 2001 against Jeff Simons's Oakland A's. Yes, I know exactly what play you're talking about. What play is it? Is this it's the Jeter play? It's yeah. the Jeter play when he covers first base from shortstop <laughs> and throws out uh, Slowpoke uh, Giambi at the plate. That Another future Yankee. Thing. I was so bummed when they didn't win the World Series that year. I mean, I'm a yeah. medium-sized Yankee fan, but I, that just, like, we really needed it for, for 9-11. We did. Yeah. You know what I remember most vividly is, you know, McCarver called it. Do you remember? Yeah. He's like, boy, the infield's in awfully close. A bloop single would win this World Series, and then it's a bloop single, and they lose on that play. And then Tim McCarver spent the next 50 years trying to do it again. Like, the next year <laughs> at the World Series, he'd be like, this is the kind of moment where you might see a double play. And then it's like, grounded a second. You know, like, I mean, he was wrong, like, uh, like, another hundred times, but he kept trying to relive his Game 7, like, uh, premonition. Dramatic and call. laugh. Every time McCarver called a game, I would wait for the moment when he tried to guess what was going to happen, and it wouldn't work for him. So funny. Good stuff, Tim McCarver. All right, well, we've got to get to the impossible question of the night. Um, ben Barton, your eldest daughter is born yes. in 2001. We are going to end up having eight kids. I guess I shouldn't say between the three of us. That's a lot. <laughs> we end oh, up, the three of us, uh, we account for eight children that the world uh, That we celebrates. know about. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but in 2001, it all begins because for the next few years, we're going to be watching a lot of children's television. Uh, a lot of different shows are going to come our way and we're going to sit on our couches with our kids and watch these shows. And as three music fans, I want to decide uh, what are the best three songs we've heard on all of the children's shows we have watched. Jeff Simons, do you have a nominee? Uh, yeah, well, I have two nominees. Um, you're not going to like either one of them, but these are actually two songs that I heard through children's shows that I actually really love. Okay. One of which I believe is do is uh is came to my life through Ben. It's a song by uh Brack called I Like Hubcaps. That's you, right, Ben, that turned yeah, me totally. on to that. 
Yeah, this, like is my, this is my gold medal winner, is this one. Here's some stuff that I like. I like hubcaps, I like laundry, I like waffles, I like ant farms, I like recess, picnics, and eating pork and beans. I like tinfoil and bow ties, I like cardboard and moon pies. When I'm soaking in the bathtub, I like shooting submarines. Shooting submarines. So I love that. And then the other one I love that is... Uh, wait, wait, what is, what is that from? Whatever. It's from... Uh, it's from some kids TV show where oh. uh, Brack is a puppet. And then the other one I love is Liam Lynch, uh, who had a puppet show on uh, MTV late at night, the song United States of Whatever. That's Whatever. I went down to the beach and saw Kiki. She was all like, eh, and I'm like, whatever. So those are my two. <laughs> okay, that is not on a children's show, was it? Yeah, well, it's like- Wait till you hear my show. selection. <laughs> so those are my two i have no time for any for anything else like that i, I love it i will love it. fell for a couple of shows that i just hated and uh <laughs> i just tried to stay out of the room but um but b is not a tv person um well it's fact, such a... she's t- the first the first show she fell for is the simpsons which she's now currently deep into so i feel well, it's so that. funny how much has changed in 20 years as far as the viewing habits of kids yeah yeah um but i'm gonna go with the backyardigans so jeff simons you need to find oh boy <laughs> backyardigans alicia keys singing oh, see what you did singing boinga which is the greatest backyardigans episode ever I'm definitely Alicia. using the word boinga to refer to inappropriate things for like the next oh, month. For sure. That's, we like boinga here. What could you say about it? Yeah. I'll be Lot right back. I, I got to take care of some boinga. <laughs> You're not. No. Now I can't listen, let my kids listen to the podcast because you've ruined, you've <laughs> oh, ruined <dude>. boinga. <laughs> All right, awesome. Ben Barton. What's your favorite song from kids television? <laughs> All right. So the first thing I'll say is that I have a piece of – of child rearing advice. And I, not everyone's as opinionated as, as obnoxious as I am. I recognize that. Um, I tried really, really, really hard with the girls from the very beginning to try and find common ground. Like it was critical to me to find music that they were willing to listen to, that I was willing to listen to, it was okay. My beloved wife, Indy Cannon, perhaps a better parent, was just like, sure, Rafi, whatever, you know, whatever like free to be you and me, like things that you like to hear. We'll just, I'll just play that over and over again. The Wiggles. I just, 
I really struggled with it. I, I didn't appreciate that very much. Um, but I also recognize that these are like small individuals and they have their own tastes and, and preferences and you have to work with them. Um, and so we worked together to try and find music that we all liked. Okay. So uh, like when I asked Dahlia, it's the older kid, she got a little bit more appropriate stuff. So she had lists of things that she liked. Um, when I asked Georgia, I was like, well, name a song from when you were a kid that you really liked. Tim's asked me to do this. And she chose the song that I'm about to choose. And ironically, it was on the short list of my 2001 songs. So in, oh my gosh. in 2000, I chose uh, perhaps the greatest record of the, this, this decade. But this year, I'm choosing the greatest band ever. And they've also written the greatest song ever. Unfortunately, it's not this song. They forgot the greatest song ever. So they wrote a song called Tribute about the greatest song ever. This is the Brevity is the Soul of Wit. This is a minute and seven seconds, this song. To set it up, are, there's two protagonists in this band, Tenacious D. <laughs> Kyle and Jack Black are living together. And Kyle eats Jack Black's schnitzel out of the fridge. And there's a 30-second setup for this song that's called Karate Schnitzel. Okay. <laughs> Jack Black's like, where's my schnitzel? Where's my schnitzel? <laughs> and Kyle's like, it was in there. It was in there. I ate it. And then there's a punishment that comes. And then they break up and they get back together. There's a whole song. I won't, I won't waste your time with the song. You should hear the 20-song record, Tenacious D. Okay. Jeff, if you will play Karate. Karate by Tenacious D. With karate, I'll kick your ass. Get to Tiananmen Square. Oh, yeah, motherfucker. I'm gonna kick your fucking dairy hair. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules, now I pull out all your pubic hair <laughs> You motherfucker You motherfucker Kyle betrayed me and then he lied, tried to hide And I died deep inside, and you know the reason why I'm gonna kick your ass From here to right over there Oh yeah, motherfucker, I'm gonna kick your fucking dairy hair, yeah, yeah You broke the rules, now I pull out all your pubic hair I'm sorry, this is the children's... Oh yeah, no, dude. <laughs> I actually asked Georgia, and this was the first song she thought of from her childhood. And this is one of the ways that we found common ground was yeah. by listening to this sort of music, for sure. And like the Hubcap song, kids love disrespectful, goofy music. That's and, true. Uh, so this worked for them in a big way. This worked for me as well. Georgia knows like this is a 20 song record and it's freaking hilarious. The, the later ones aren't funny. Like it's really uh -huh. hard to stay funny. But this one is just one hilarious song after another. Georgia loves it. Dolly is a little more lukewarm on it because maybe she's a more normal person, but uh, she she'll, she will ride for this song for sure. In fact, at a related topic, uh -huh. I have a Mount Rushmore of hilarious parody rock songs. Okay. And I'm curious to hear your additions. All right. So okay. I've got this entire record, Tenacious D. There's like 10 hilarious songs on this. <laughs> Okay. The first Triumph the Insult comic dog record. Oh. With the single I keyed. I it's keyed, just I keyed. so unbelievably It just makes a little joke. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, the, the movie from the South, the, the song from the South Park movie, Uncle Fucker. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. I strongly recommend that one. It's in a similar vein to Karate. Oh, ben, um, that, then, that, 
That was uh, my beloved wife's uh, second date with me. I took her to South yep. Park. The movie. Oh, how'd you do? And I helped you. I helped you yeah. take her to that movie. It was and great. As, as Uncle Fucker started playing, I was like, oh, dear God. Like, is, is this a terrible, terrible mistake? Meanwhile, I'm like crying. <laughs> yeah, you're oh, my like, God. Dude, like, dude, like, dude, it was on my face. It killed me. <laughs> I was so sad that I didn't have YouTube. I went and watched the movie again. The rest of the movie yeah. thought it's funny, but I went to watch the movie just for that one minute. And I right. watched it on YouTube, like, I don't know, 20 times. Like, it kills me. <laughs> and then I do Adam Sandler Hanukkah, the Hanukkah song. That's my okay. good. I recognize it's all white guys, but this is a very white guy genre. Right. It is indeed. The one I would add that made me smile and still makes me smile is the, the Get Your Hands Off My Woman by The Darkness. Do you remember that oh. heavy metal parody? They were like a whole parody band, but like they, they were like the they were Steel Panther before Steel Panther existed. Nice. Like, but that song, that song made me laugh a lot. That was a good. Uh, one. It's pretty good. There's some good Spinal Tap too. Sp- I was, was gonna say Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Weird Al too. You know, like don't don't sleep on Weird Al. I took Will to see Weird Al Yankovic like four years ago, and it was the best show I've ever seen. And really? I say that as a guy who like expects a lot from a rock show. I, I mean. That thing entertained, the lights went out. I was entertained spectacularly <laughs> for two hours and 20 minutes and then the lights went on. It just never <laughs> stopped. Like videos, great songs, costume changes, killer band, more videos, run out in the audience, you Weird know, Al. interactive stuff falling from the ceiling. It was, Weird Al is the man. I am a that big fan. That is great. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do it. Let's get to our, the, the, just to be clear to the audience, that was not our three songs. No, that was my song. Oh. I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I said what I had to say about 2001, and it starts with, I'm going to kick your ass from here to right over there. And then it also rhymes with derriere, in case you were wondering. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're starting with schnitzel. So you're up here already. Schnitzel's funny. Our three songs. Uh, all right. Jeff Simons, what do you got? How am I supposed to top that? All right, so I'm in this acoustic-y yes, you oeuvre are. for me. If you remember, uh, in 1999, I went with the regrettable David Gray, um, according to Ben. And then in 2000, okay. I was with- By the way, India buried you. Oh, when she no. listened to the podcast. She's wrong about that. She just That's... buried you. That's oh, fine. she doesn't like David Gray either? We're married to the right people. What can I say? <laughs> you know what's great is my wife has no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. be like, hey. I'd be like, you know, so on the podcast, she's like, mep, 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 mep. <laughs> like, I don't have to worry about her reaction. <laughs> um, so we went with Steve Burrell last week. This is my favorite of the acoustic songs so far. Um, so uh, this was my favorite song from 2001, um, both because I think it's, a wonderful song and performance, but also uh, this has my favorite acoustic guitar work, this record uh, that I've heard on a record. I don't know. Uh, It's in the the top five, I think. So this is an artist named Jillian Welch, who who first put out a record in 1996 called Revival, which I liked okay but it struck me as a little bit corny. Like she, it, you know, the, the cover photograph made it look like it was taken during the Dust Bowl and she's wearing like an old gingham outfit. The songs were very traditional, like to the point of being, uh, in my opinion, hackneyed in places, but she had a great voice. 
And the guy playing guitar, a guy named David Rawlings, just was tearing it up on every song. So I, and, and I had a lot of friends who fell for it. It came out in the, like in the height of the alt country thing. Right. So people were like, and people like made up this ridiculous stuff. Like, oh yeah, she's from Oklahoma and she lived in a trailer and her parents, like she lost her parents <laughs> in a tornado. And it's I happen to know she went to the Berkeley College of Music because <laughs> a guy I played the band with lived across the hall from her. So like, I was already like predisposed to feel like there was too much myth-making going on. I liked the second record better. It was called Hell, Young the, the Year, Hell Among the Yearlings. Songs got a little darker. There were still some songs that were a little silly. And and there was a religion, there was a, um, a Christian religiosity in revival that felt proselytizing at times that turned me off. And it was still present in 98. In 2001, they put out a record called Revelator. And it's recorded live with no overdubs to a single microphone with one oh, wow. person standing on one side and one person standing on the other in classic Capitol Studio A, Nashville, like old school approach. And, and which means there's no hiding anything. Like they have to get these songs perfect to get them on tape. There's no way to sweeten them. There's no multiple tracks. There's no way to fade in or fade out. And uh, so it's essentially a live record recorded in like perfect circumstances. And this record delivers all the promise that the first two records came up with, in my opinion. The songs more are, so. yeah. are haunting, they're ethereal. There are songs that are funny. There are songs that are sexy. There are songs that are uh, deeply rooted in, the, in old American traditions without being imitations of them. There are wonderful songs about um, um, you know, America growing up and growing old. There, there's songs about Abe Lincoln and love affairs. There, there are some songs that tell little stories. There are some songs that are so imagistic that you just get lost in them. But I'm going with the title track, the first song, which is just the introduction to the whole thing. And so good. What separates this record from other acoustic records, like I am a guy who can get pretty tired of an acoustic record pretty quickly. Like everybody who picks up an acoustic guitar and puts four chords together thinks they're making the next Bob Dylan record or thinks they're Joni Mitchell and they're just not. Like, and I, I wouldn't say that Jillian Welch is a songwriter of the same quality of those, but when you take her voice and these songs and put them with the brilliant, like, transformational transcendent acoustic guitar playing at david rawlings you get something incredibly special so my pick for 2001 is the title track from time the revelator by jillian welch revelator by jillian welch <laughs>
Is that just w- one guitar going or two? That's two. It is. Yeah. She, so she's playing as well. She's playing a. She's playing the rhythm, and then Rawlings is just playing all around her. He's great. Um, yeah. And I saw them on this tour, and uh, watching him play. I mean, I really. I'm sure there's plenty of footage on YouTube you could watch, but like, I. It's amazing to me that that kid could rethink the approach to acoustic guitar on folk songs what a hundred years after people have been doing it and doing (laughs) it really well like it's just such a audacious all those seconds and all of those notes too close together and just following them all the way down and up and down the fretboard and the fact that he can shred and doesn't like it's choosing right. one note when he could play six and choosing the right one over and over again. It's just a masterclass performance in how to be a great supporting musician musician. And, uh, and not everything they've done. Like, it's funny, like Lucinda Williams, like went on a 10 year, I can't make a record and then makes a record nonstop. This Jillian Welch is frozen up. She makes a record every six years or something. Now she's got terrible writer's block. Rawlings has had to release a couple records under his own name. And like, they're just, they've not been able to build off of the, the, and you know, what's amazing is this year they released three 15 song records of the, of the outtakes from this session, like the 52 songs she'd written that they, (laughs) that they bailed, that they they bailed on. And a lot of them are great. And it just breaks my heart that she, there was this window like 99 to 03, where she was just white hot, on it and they haven't been able to to sustain that or build on it so their career for me is kind of a a sad story but but uh this is one of my hundred favorite records and i recommend the whole thing without reservations all right yeah so one of the reasons why i felt comfy choosing a joke song is i felt very confident that jeff's going to choose this song which is in fact the best song of this year i absolutely love this one this record's amazing and in particular this song is just a searing beautiful song that i can't get enough of um the i'm the pretender so basically jeff laid it out she people thought that she was a phony people thought she was a Uh. fake people thought she was like trying to sell herself as uh like a a a real person who lived in a trailer and she wasn't yeah so for her to write a song called times the revelator just so powerfully moves me um and then second i'll note I've seen them live a bunch of times and they do it all like Rawlings is the real deal in person. Yeah. Um, I would recommend the live cover of Radiohead's Black Star. Oh, yes. You I was going to bring that up. believe his part. He plays both of the guitar parts. <laughs> yep. He plays Johnny's guitar part and Ed's guitar part. It's so freaking spectacular and just completely right. Like, w- listen to it again and you'll hear it. He's not soloing. He never lets it fly. Like even at the right. very beginning, he's right. like, yep. he's, he's taking up more space at the beginning and it's beautiful. And then it seems like he fades back and, and, and a different type of player would just play the same chords as Jillian does. But that's not what he does. He mm-hmm. follows along. He does interesting things. He's quiet. He's super tasteful. He's not at all trying to push her out of the limelight. He's like letting her shine, working on it, pulling it out. And then in particular, when they get to the chorus, he drops all the way out. Then he comes yep. back in. Like, it's just amazing. His parts over and over and over again are so good. And I'll, then yeah. I'll echo what Jeff said. Like, it's just sad because um, it's really, really hard to write amazing acoustic songs for two people. It's just, this is really, really hard. And they hit the freaking mother load. And the, there's like 
I don't know, there's four or five, not as good as this, but four or five great songs uh -huh. on this record. And then it's, and then Black Star is another example of the cover. And then it's just really, really hard. Um, like the yeah. Rawlings record, he sings a bunch of the songs. And then, and then like, this was super funny. My reaction to this record was how much I loved Rawlings. When I heard the Rawlings record, I was like, oh, where's Jillian? Like, I really yeah. miss her. You know what I mean? Like, right. he's not a very good singer. The songs aren't as good. I was like, oh, where's my gal? Like, they, you really, really need to have both. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my favorite quote from David Rawlings is, I'm in a two-person group called Jillian Welch. <laughs> like he gets all the time like why isn't it Jillian Welch and David Rawlings and it's like it's like it doesn't matter to me like she's the name and but I'm I'm intrinsic to what Jillian Welch the artist is which I thought oh. it just speaks to his uh, also like I was I meant to bring up that Black Star cover if you have not heard these two folks cover Black Star his solo in the breakdown of Black you can hear the audience gasp in astonishment when it's over. Like he gets to the last note and he pulls this crazy high harmonic and the audience wants to start screaming, but she comes in again and and there's everyone's so lost in the performance. They don't know the audience do. do this like <gasps> like it's really it's amazing to hear a live audience have its breath taken away and, and have it captured on tape. And the other thing is this record was almost totally ruined. Does anybody know the original plan for album three to save their career? Oh God, no! What? They went into the studio with Ryan Adams to to make the record. And have you heard the original Revelator? No. With that that was so. Listen to what almost happened. This is. Whee! I mean, that's a disaster, so, right? I mean, just what all was of that? it. Like, that's yeah. Ryan Adams's demo of Revelator in the original session. Because remember, Rawlings played no. the Heartbreaker, the first Ryan Adams solo record. So they knew each other. But, but yeah. Also, no. also one one other one is uh, Lua, the Conor Ogre oh. slash Bright Eyes slash Her slash yep. David Rawlings, the live version. Of, I saw that. I saw I saw all this stuff at Bonnaroo. I saw those guys at Bonnaroo, and that was amazing. The live version of Lua with Jillian Welch is just gorgeous. And that whole, there's like a whole year where Welch and Rawlings and Conor Oberts play together under the Bright Eyes name, and it's yeah. freaking great. That's the Dark Was the Night record, right? That I think that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. I, I mean... Love that uh, song. Don't have the album. You're saying the entire album is two guitars and her voice. Yeah, they do a 15 minute closer called "A Dream a Highway" in one. Ta it's one take. It's remarkable. I actually saw them do it. They did it at the Fillmore as a second encore, and I don't know if they were making it up, but they came out and said, "We never do this live." But you know, we're in the Fillmore, and she had the lyric. She had to. Um, tape she the lyrics to the uh, <laughs> mic stand because she didn't know them and it's 15 minutes and like you could hear a pin drop oh, wow. for the entire song in a packed Fillmore it was it was a special night all right well good stuff now I've got a so I, I was saying I, I've always loved that song but I've always loved it for her voice and this was the first time I paid attention to the guitar work and boy that's a that's a heck of a guitar so now I got to go back and listen to everything all right 
Jeff Simons, I enjoy stories. I like stories. I like songs that tell stories. I like getting lost in the story. Uh, and you put this on a tape for me in 2001. Um, oh. And I still come back to this song over and over again because it's, it's the only story I know of that gives you the perspective of a dog in a song. Could you please play... Stephen Malcolmus, Jenny and the S Dog. Oh, I'm so happy. I love it. Coming up. Jenny and the S Dog by Stephen Malcolmus. Jennifer dates a man in a 60s cover band. He's the S Dog, Sean, if you wish. She's 18, he's 31. She's a rich girl, he's the son. Love, love, love the details that he provides in that story. She named Trey was when he had me. And of course, bandana Trey in two thousand one. So a couple, a couple things. Jeff Matee, who I work with here at Asheville School, is a huge Stephen Malcolmus fan. I mean, just huge. And I don't, I don't know Pavement very well. You guys can tell me a little bit about Pavement in in a bit. So shout out to Jeff. but the other thing, Jeff Simons, this reminds me of our next door neighbor in graduate school in Santa Fe, who oh. showed up with a girl he just kind of picked up on the way to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And it's like, what kind of weird scene is this happening uh, next door? Do you remember that? Oh, he was the S dog for sure. He was he the was, S dog. He did not disappoint. <laughs> He was he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm not uh, even sure he really realized that it was a school, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, he was just he was just kind of driving and letting life scene. happen to him. You know, the yeah. darker version of him was Charlie Manson and the lighter version <laughs> of him was the S dog. And he was basically <laughs> the same dude, just the switch, the evil to good switch was just yeah. slightly, you know. All right. What can you what can you guys tell me about Stephen Malcolmus? Well, Stephen Malcolmus is one of those guys like Pavement made three records and uh, broke up. And then he's made 10 solo yeah, records. He's like, got a record every 18 hard. months. Yeah, he works his ass off. Um, and I, I like Pavement. I wish Pavement had, uh, I wish Pavement had paid a little bit more attention to not trying to sound shitty on purpose. Uh-huh. Like, I'm a big fan of Slanted Enchantment. I'm a really big fan of Crooked Rain. But both those records are deliberately lo-fi in their approach in ways that now bum me out. Like, I wish they'd bothered to dial it in and make it sound a little better. Um, I'd, although, 
I like them more than I used to. I, I was disappointed with them when they first came out even more than I am now. Like they've grown in my estimation as I get older. And there's always two or three really good Stephen Malcolm songs on every one of his records. But uh, I'll admit to being a little overwhelmed. Like he's released over like 200 original songs since Pavement broke up. And I've, it's hard to keep up with him. That's a lot. I mean, he just keeps yeah. churning it out. I don't know. I, I don't know if Ben and I have had it, the Pavement. Ben, what do you think of uh, Stephen Malkmus? Yeah, so this song is good, and I like this song. I prefer um, Crooked Rain is like, that's it for me. I mean, that's the beginning of yeah. there. That's my favorite by a mile. Um, and the lo-fi stuff doesn't bother me at all. Like, that's that's one of the reasons. Like, Flux Rad is my favorite one on that. Like, that's that's uh, that's the record for me. I, I'm, I'm with Jeff, though. I bought all the solo records, and and he's right. that You know, some like, there's always something to listen to. He's fascinating because I, I just and, – and you guys reminded me of this this week when you started talking about the best records of 2020, and I think I had heard of 75% of the names. Sorry. I think I hadn't heard of 75% of the names. <laughs> Reverse that You're too me. busy listening to Alicia Keys to yeah. keep up. So. Everything's boinga here. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news for the robot lady, man. <laughs> All right. We're all sorts of coded. Let's go. No more three blind mice for us. Gentlemen, good times. Timmy, well done, my friend. Can I hijack the podcast for a minute? Oh, yes. Our first first sponsor of the podcast, our first advertisement. I'm so excited. Hit it. So two days after, if you're listening to this on release day, which you surely are, our thousands of friends, um, two days after this, my first solo record uh, drops uh, everywhere, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Bandcamp, all of the places where one uh, doesn't buy music and instead streams and or steals it. But I would uh, deeply encourage you, if you have the time, to steal my record and check it out. It's called River Run. I've had a couple of singles out uh, for a couple of months, but the whole thing is, is out. Um, and also, I will have been interviewed by a New Zealand blog called The 13th Floor. I'll put the link up to that interview on our Music City page. But if you are looking for music to soothe you in this holiday season and beyond, um, I, I, I humbly uh, offer Woo. my own stuff. It, First time great. in a really long time. I played on a lot of other people's records, and I've been lucky and humble uh, to do that but it was time for me to throw my own hat in the ring. So well, I love that. Here that it we, comes. We got to listen to it early and we've been listening to it. It's a great, great record. It's terrific. Yeah, no doubt. Um, fun stuff. And I love that you uh, went ahead and wrote all this and produced all this in order to promote our podcast. I think that was really selfless. <laughs> Let me you. tell you, it is. Ben, I mean, I am riding the coattails of this podcast. Are you kidding? <laughs> I can't. I, the whole year I've been like, I made a record and my, you know, and social media is like, good for you. And then I, I and then I'm like, I'm on this podcast with two friends. Like, where do we get it? Wait, what? Yeah. You got to get us going in uh, Auckland. That's uh, that's your job. I'll do for my this best. Big interview. Do my best. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well guys, thanks so much. Check it out when you get the chance. And uh, if you like our podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it and uh, give us a, a like. Oh, we got some new reviews. We're up to oh, nice. 35 ratings on the Ooh. iTunes. All five Exciting. stars. Unbelievable. All right. Hey, I, 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 let's, I would like, if somebody's been listening to this 
Uh -huh. And they really think we suck. It's time to get on. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Don't kick the beehive. You're no. asking the internet to kick oh our ass. God, what is wrong no. with you? Come on, it's, no, I we love. Like, no, you keep saying no. thirty. Never ask for negative. All feedback. five stars. I'm not asking for the beehive to be kicked. I'm just saying I, I'd be happy with a four and a half star. Yeah, but oh, I would not be happy with that. Right. Stick with the five stars. Who would be the person? <laughs> we don't person? want any honest opinions. Yeah. Just tell us we're great. That's it. You don't, you don't want to be the 50-year-old man. You can't. You can't. You don't want the truth. Get my, you know what I'll do? My wife will listen to one. She'll give it a two and a half, and that'll be good. I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll That's make right. her listen to one, and we'll get a mev review. It'll be perfect. <laughs> All right, we're guys. not doing your beloved wife any favors at all. She's a lovely woman. I'm sure she would give she's, us five stars. She's a lovely right. woman. I'm doing her all the favors in the world. I'm giving an accurate assessment of her interest. In <laughs> she's ever. waiting till the entire 50 years project is done. Then I'll she's ask gonna her if that's binge. the case. If yeah. she's gonna just, she's waiting for the for the 50 hour right? of the whole. Story. She doesn't want to yeah. get ahead. Also, dude, she runs marathons. She can listen to an hour-long podcast. I know. That's you know what I'm saying? cracks me up. If she comes back from these long runs, she's like, man, I'm totally out of podcasts. I ran out of anything to listen to. I didn't even know where to go. And I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. She's not saying that in any way that is from the option of this one. Yeah, I have an idea. Yeah, All I'm right. like, and she would be like, why are you doing that with your hands? Like, I don't think this is... <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. I will see you next week. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.